at SFM Radio and at Stephen Grutus on Twitter. 12 after 7, good morning. All right, lots to come in the next little while. Of course, big issues around what's happening in the Middle East at the moment and the situation in Gaza. Uh, We've got that issue. We've got all sorts of other issues as well this morning. I think still uh, important conversations around former President Jacob Zuma that people are talking about as well. Well, it's going to be a huge day for South Africa one way or another. On the international diplomatic front, the International Court of Justice handing down its ruling in our application asking that Israel be found guilty of genocide or potential genocide for its actions against Palestinians in Gaza. As you know, South Africa's lawyers argued Israel had been telling Palestinians to move to safe areas and then bombing those areas, also using snipers to attack civilians. Israel has argued it's only acting in self-defense and that it has to do this to stop the Hamas attacks on Israel. That ruling, 2 o'clock our time. We start with the SABC International Editor, Sophie McQuenna. Sophie, good morning. Good morning, Stephen. Firstly, our international relations minister, Naledi Pandor, she's at The Hague this morning. Is government uh, confident of some kind of victory today? Well, when you speak to government officials, they are saying that they are confident that the court will rule in South Africa's favor. There's no way they can say they are going to lose those case because the question will then be, why did you bother? And therefore... But the reality is we don't know. We will only be able to make sense of uh, where the panel uh, is going in terms of their ruling when they start uh, the president of the court is delivering that ruling. We know that uh, South Africa is saying that uh, based on the genocide convention of the 1948 that was aimed at ensuring that in future I don't have a specific group of people being targeted and being killed, particularly in relation to what Hitler did to the Jews. It doesn't happen again. And the convention specifically stipulates that prevention. So it doesn't necessarily have to be or it must be a situation where you say the genocide has happened. But if you see signs of genocide unfolding as a signatory to the convention, you have to act. We've seen quite a lot of reaction to this case. So in the United States, a group of Congress people and, and senators got together. They attacked our case. Uh, Germany is very upset too. Most of the global south does support us. So many countries supporting South Africa's application as well. Uh, Sophie, how important is all of this on the international stage for South Africa? Well, you are correct. The congressman, it was a bipartisan letter written to uh, the Secretary of State, Anthony Blinken, who is responsible for international relations or foreign policy, uh, asking them to support Israel. The question we must ask as ordinary citizens of the globe is, when America says it's disgusting, America, we know that the United Nations was established after the Second World War to assist in relation to maintaining peace around the world. And it launched organs like the Security Council, like the International Court of Justice, with the aim of ensuring that when countries or states who are member states are aggrieved, they can use those means to solve their problems. In the same way, the matter of Russia and Ukraine is also before the International Court of Justice. Now, as they didn't then say it's disgusting. 
So rather than using military to resolve problems, you use the means that are available. If you are grieved in South Africa, you go to the lower court, to the higher court, to the Supreme Court, to the uh, Constitutional Court. You don't take, uh, you know, action, you know, in terms of fighting or, or retaliating. We are encouraged to follow the law. So in this case, South Africa is trying to use international law to resolve a dispute. So I think that will be the argument of those who are supporting South Africa. On the other hand, those who are supporting Israel will say uh, Israel is defending itself. And they will say that because, remember, these are the countries that have been supplying arms to Israel. And if this matter finally gets to a situation where you have a real case in relation to uh, the court having to come out clear whether uh, Israel has committed committed genocide, which is still coming, then these countries that have been supplying arms to Israel will have to answer, because Israel will have to, even the investigation, there'll be ballistic investigations and all of that, and therefore it will be an embarrassment to powerful nations such as the United States of America, Germany, and the rest. But there's a division even in the European Mm -hmm. Union. There are those countries, particularly Scandinavian countries, who are saying we support this process because it's available for us as member countries to settle disputes. Sophie McQuenna, thank you. International News Editor here at the SABC, 18 minutes after 7 with SAFM. Professor Mia Swart is a visiting professor of international law at Vivitz Law School. Professor Swart, good morning to you. There's several technical issues the court has to deal with, and one of the arguments Israel brought, they said there's no official dispute between our country and their country, that this is not actually a dispute between countries. Are you expecting the judges to accept there is a dispute and get into the merits of the case? Good morning, Stephen. Uh, I expect that the judges will accept that there's been a dispute um, because there clearly is a dispute that South Africa says the Genocide Convention has been violated by Israel and Israel denies this. I think that the problem is that South Africa did slip up in terms of, you know, the process of informing Israel uh, prior to the litigation that, you know, is South Africa is going to bring this litigation. South Africa was supposed to, you know, they're supposed to be bilateral talks between the countries involved. And, you know, all of this was communicated very late in December to Israel. So Israel didn't really have a chance to properly respond to that note for a ball that was sent by South Africa. However, this is a very technical issue, and I think that it would just look as if the, the court was looking for a way out and, you know, doesn't really want to resolve this dispute if the court places too much weight on that. Then the issues around what the court can decide. So there'll be no declaration today that this is a genocide. Is that right? That's right. So there'll only be a sort of provisional orders. How do those work? So the only thing the court really has to decide is whether, you know, it's probable that the rights were, or that it's plausible that rights were violated. And, you know, that's not a very high bar. So the, the court will simply look at the provisional measures asked for by South Africa and then decide, you know, which ones of those to grant because nine provisional measures were asked for. Um, in all probability, at best, South Africa will not, you know, be granted all nine, but only a few of those. 
And they can only grant orders that we've asked for. They can't craft their own. No, they can. They do have the discretion to go beyond the orders that we asked for. Um, to, for example, uh, in some other requests for provisional measures, the court has, for example, asked for you know uh, reporting certain reporting requirements that the the offending state, if you will, has to from time to time report to the court about what it is doing to prevent genocide or stop genocide. Um, and I think it is highly likely that, that the courts will make that kind of order about reporting. Um, I'm sure that the courts will, you know, not hesitate to instruct Israel to not destroy evidence, for example. I think the really controversial issue, really, Stephen, is whether the court will ask for a full ceasefire. This is what everyone is kind of waiting to hear. And I think that is very unlikely. And that is the most unfortunate thing, that the court is very unlikely to order a full ceasefire. Is Why would they be unlikely to do that? Is that just because Israel wouldn't comply anyway? No, I don't think that they consider the likelihood of compliance as a factor in their decision making. I think it's simply uh, unlikely that the countries representing the global north on the court, uh, you know, those judges representing the US, Germany, Japan, etc., will go for the full ceasefire. And I think that would probably have to have caused a very heated debate amongst the judges. One of the arguments in all of this is that the court can order Israel to stop its attacks in Gaza. And that, that's for two reasons. One is that Israel is a nation state, and the other is that Israel is a signatory to the International Court of Justice. But that court cannot order Hamas to stop its attacks on Israel or Israelis. Hamas is not a nation state and is not a signatory to the court. Is that a problem in this case? I mean, I think it is a, a, a problem in the broader sense that Israel doesn't have, you know, the, the same mechanism to request, you know, relief or some sort of compensation for what happened on the 7th of October. But this will not deter the judges from deciding what they have to decide, the plain and clear matter before them. And if the Myanmar case of 2020 is anything to go by, um, it's, it looks very likely that the judges will be reasonable and at least order some provisional measures. But again, again, the real problem is whether or not they'll order a full ceasefire, which is really what is necessary to stop the bloodshed right now. And that looks very unlikely. There's been a huge amount of commentary on this issue around the world. Um, and everyone, I mean, many people have many different and, and quite strong views. I know some have argued that whatever happens, this will be bad for international law. And they say that if the court rules against South Africa's case, it will look like judges are sort of bowing to the to the West, to Israel, uh, the United States. And if the judges rule in our favor and against Israel, Israel will ignore the ruling, which will make international court, international law and this court look weak. And either way, international law would have been undermined. How do you uh, assess that commentary? Um, I don't take that particular commentary very seriously. I think the fact that Israel might ignore or will in all likelihood ignore, you know, the provisional measures ordered by the court uh, doesn't, you know, uh, mean that international law is useless and that one shouldn't, you know, resort to the law. I think that, you know, the Con Genocide Convention of 1948, for example, you know, exists for a reason and that it is only correct to, to use international law, you know, in a situation of 
yeah, massive bloodshed and atrocities, as we've seen. Uh, there is no sort of win-win situation, but uh, I think that it's important to get, you know, the court to take a position because very often international bodies and courts shy away from controversy. And here South Africa is forcing them to take a position. And that in, that in itself is important because then even if the judgment goes against us, the provisional measures don't get order, uh, ordered. You know, that can be criticized by academics and policymakers and, you know, one has something to work with. But I, I do believe that um, it, will, it won't go against us. And when the court hands down its judgment, I mean, we've seen rulings in our courts where, you know, a judge will come and issue a very sort of dry two-line thing and you have to go and find the judgment to understand it. And we've seen judgments where judges, usually the case, sit down and actually read out their judgment so everyone understands it. Uh, can we expect something like that today? Yes, it, it will be read out. It will be more expense, uh, extensive. And um, th this will not be as technical as, you know, the judgment on the merit is likely to be. Um, because South Africa asked for nine very specific things, for example, that Israel desists from taking further military action, that it desists from certain genocidal acts such as, you know, killing. Um, so it will be very clear what was asked for and what is granted. Professor Mia Swart, really appreciate the time. Thank you. Visiting Professor of International Law at the Witts Law School.